Welcome to a very somber episode of Boys Will Be Boys. I'm Andy Gatelli. Benjamin T. Walker. And <sighs> coming live from the dreary DFW, my friend Goat over there in Austin, Texas, where the rain is fitting weather. Indeed. Oh, Ben. Why do we do this to ourselves? Uh, which part? The curse of being a... T- Fan of this inept franchise. Oh, uh, are we talking Cowboys? We are talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Do we have to? <laughs> that's what that's what the people want, Ben. It is boys will be boys. This is your boys. And um, we're here on not Victory Monday. We are here with a big fat L. Still digesting it. Um We will get into everything that went wrong in Carolina this this past weekend, or yesterday, in fact, and some news around the league, some Randy Gregory update. But uh, it's just it's just what we were seeing last November, and we were hoping with an off season we were past it, goat, and it just wasn't pretty. No, it wasn't, Ben. Um, For those who were lucky enough not to view this game, Dallas Cowboys traveled to Charlotte, North Carolina to play against the Carolina Panthers led by Cam Newton. Scam Newton. Scam Newton. They put a Scam Newton jersey on the statue to bear. Um, And, man, it wasn't a pretty sight. Um, Well, I won't say that. there There was one half of this game that was really, really terrible. Um, the Cowboys do lose this one. And one half to eight. that was just pretty bad. Yeah, so. yeah, it was sixteen to eight. Uh, was the final score? Um, this one, this is one of those ones that's just a slow death, man. You don't. There's not some heartbreaking last play. There isn't some catch that Des makes that they don't give him credit for that ruins the game for you. It's just from minute one to the last whistle, slow knife driving into your back Uh, it was a tough watch like my only real thought was and uh goat actually came up to dfw for this we watched this one in person indeed with friends uh my girl got a a first sight of dallas ben and um surprisingly I, i i was just so i wasn't even angry like i was just so befuddled at what the hell i was watching that it was just hard to even be pissed like there's just no like you're pissed when like you throw ill-timed pick or oh man we had a missed opportunity but we just kind of sucked and there is no real yelling it was just oh yeah we sucked again on this drive punt again it was the worst kind it was the worst kind and um anyway so so goat came up and uh we really had just no fun watching this game. I, I wish I had three hours back of my life. Agreed. Um, this one, like we said, it really sucked from start to finish. Um, 
despite the pain of reliving this terrible memory, we're going to go ahead and break down the game for you. Um, and then we'll get into some particulars around offense, defense, some particular players. Um, so we'll just jump right in. Um, surprisingly, and in a move that shocked the world, the Cowboys decided to take the ball after winning the coin toss. Um, first, Jason Garrett, that gambler. That gambler. First play, uh, Zeke Elliott uh, to the right, minus one yard. Um, now, Ben, this play is special for a couple of reasons. One, first live action of Zeke you've seen in nine months. Yep. One yard loss, not did great. Not play in the preseason, so yep. The other thing is that it's the only time during the first half that we run Zeke on first down. Because I guess we saw this happen. We were just like, well, no more using Zeke. <laughs> our only hey, I have a question. Please. On that stat. Um, where do the Dallas Cowboys pay most of their money? To what unit? Uh, I would say the offensive line. Mm, and that be considered the strength of their team? Probably the only strength of our team on offense. And would you also say that they spent significant draft capital and taking a running back at four overall. Certainly a lot more draft capital than they've spent at wide receiver, Ben. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if those were the two things that your team had invested in, would it make sense that you don't give your running back the ball on first down? Only if you're Scott Linehan, the mad scientist. Oh, the mad hatter himself. <laughs> oh, every time you think you know what he's going to do, he does the opposite even if what you think he was going to do was going to work. And if you think you know what he's going to do, goddamn, he's going to do that naked bootleg anyway for two Tight end screen coming at you. So immediately right out the gate at second and 11, uh, we try to do a screenplay to Tavon Austin. Uh, it gets some yardage, but unfortunately there's a penalty called on Tyron Smith. The first of two penalties on Tyron Smith this day, uh, the legal block above the waist, that's a 10-yard penalty uh, that brings up second and 21. I want to highlight this play, Ben, because this is the only touch as a receiver that Tavon Austin gets in this entire game. It is ten. It represents 10% of the snaps that he was on the field for. And technically, it doesn't even count as a target since the play didn't happen. It was yeah. called that. So after all this talk of, oh, we've got this new player, we traded for this guy, he's had a great camp, we watched, we, you and I watched video of this guy do great in camp, Scott could come up with a screen pass and then abandon this guy completely and he barely touched the field for the rest of the time. Yeah, which, by the way, he actually gained some yards on this. So Yeah, it was a nine-yard gain. So great stuff, great stuff, Scott, good wrinkle. So second and 21, we run Zeke for no gain. Then we get a delay of game penalty on Dak. Brings up third and 26. Figure, hey, take a shot. Nah. Zeke Elliott right up the gut, four-yard gain. We punt. Any team in the league get a delay of game on third and 21? (sighs) On the first possession of the game? Probably (laughs) not. So on fourth and 22, we're forced to punt. Our best player, uh, Chris Jones, um, takes one pretty deep goat. I I just want to bring that up. 55-yard punt, not too shabby. He was maybe one of my three stars of the game for the Cowboys. So in this drive, the Cowboys end up uh, burning two minutes and 40 seconds off the clock. They do three plays. They get minus 12 yards. Great stuff, guys. Um, So we, like we said, we punt. 
to Cam. And this is where the only real good stuff of the day happened for us was on defense. Um, you've heard us talk a lot about the Cowboys defense. You've heard other people talk about the Cowboys defense. Um, they definitely came to play today. Uh, they try to run to McCaffrey. They try to run with Newton up the middle. Uh, both are stuffed for no gain. And then on third and 10, uh, we they throw an incomplete pass to Devin Funches. Unfortunately, D-Law got tapped for roughing the passer on this. Um, they're really trying to protect quarterbacks now, so that gives them a new set of downs. Uh, first and 10 from the 47. Uh, this time they get an offensive holding call, uh, but they do manage to march down uh, all the way to uh, the Dallas 5. So they have a third and two inside our 10-yard line, uh, and they hand it off to McCaffrey, who goes up the middle, and then Daniel Ross, kind of an unheralded name coming out of training camp, uh, forced a fumble, and uh, D. Lawrence dives on it. Um, ben, I'll highlight here that Daniel Ross, as of right now, is the highest-rated interior lineman in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. So he had himself a hell of a game. I did not note that, but uh, Rose was very active out there, so uh, that's that's good to know. You know, the takeaway was promising to see, especially on the goal line. Um, the defense looked good. They looked solid throughout the game. They looked pretty solid on this drive if it wasn't for one penalty. The only thing that was pretty alarming, and you really only saw this was the first half, is it looked like the first time our defense has ever seen anyone run a read option. And yeah. maybe the most dangerous rushing quarterback in the entire NFL was just kind of left alone on multiple runs on this drive. Uh, other than that, though, you know they were pretty they were pretty good, but that was some some undisciplined stuff early in the game. No, for sure. Um, so the Cowboys do get the ball back. Uh, we take over on our own ten from the fumble, uh, and this is where the the head scratching begins as far as play calling. First and ten on our own ten. You'd think we need some breathing room, need to run the ball. Incomplete pass to Terrence Williams. Second and ten. Uh, we get a pass off to Cole Beasley, who actually had a pretty decent day. Um, first and 10 on the 21, Dak f- tries to force a ball to Michael Gallup, uh, but he is held, so we get a penalty there. We finally go back to Zeke, who gets a two-yard run, uh, and then Dak runs the the old favorite, the tight end screen for 11 yards uh, before we go back to Zeke for a three-yard gain on the next play. Now, a highlight here, Ben, that mm-hmm. – as of this play right here, the sixth snap of the second possession, we have reached the halfway point for Zeke's carries for the first half. He has four carries. He would receive seven total carries in the first half, despite it being a one-score game. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, on the next play, Dak tries to throw to Elliott, but there is an offensive holding penalty again on Tyron Smith. Uh then we run with Rod. He gets a five-yard carry. Uh, Dak hits BZ again for eight, and that's all she wrote. That was on third and 12, got eight yards. On fourth and four, we punt from our own 45. Um, luckily, man, again, we had a defense that could stand up. So we managed to uh, f- get out of that quarter scoreless, uh, and our defense manages to stop them at our 47-yard line. Um, they tried to go around the end with McCaffrey, but Tank Lawrence and Lee stopped them. And then uh, two straight passing plays from 
Cam Newton were ineffective. So on fourth and 10 from the 47, they punt. We ended up with it at our 14. Um, so with the defense giving us this many chances at this point in the game, you're like, okay, like they just got to get something together. Uh, first and 10 from the 14, Dak sacked for a seven-yard loss. Uh, uh, the first of six of these, by the way. Six or is this the second? But the first. You know, I just went on that hype of where we spent most of our money. And I know Frederick was missing. I actually think Looney played pretty well, Goat. Uh, I will say, though, that you can't be in the lead offensive line and give up six sacks. Now, not all of it was on them. You know, our our we got kind of in a position where we had to throw, which is, I guess, our coaching staff's worst nightmare if you look at how we responded. But that's just that's concerning to me that Dak was pressured on what thirty percent of his dropbacks today. One, one that, but and two, I I will maintain that there was very little time in this game where we were in a situation where you have to throw. We True. abandoned the run very quickly. I mean, this game was a one. Yep. They had ten points until the fourth quarter. No, you're absolutely right, and it did seem like we were. Like you were just saying on that first drive, Zeke got stuffed, and then for the rest of the game, we didn't want to run him up the gut. And it really wasn't working much on second down, but I'd much rather see Zeke get two straight carries on first and 10 and second and nine than— Well, and and here's the thing. And if you're going to throw, don't throw one-yard screen passes to your fucking tight end and receiver. Well, and and that's something I want to bring up. One, we took no shots downfield, so they knew very quickly they didn't have to cover that. Here's the other thing. I get it, Scott. Everyone knows you're going to run on first down. Yes. And so you don't want to run on first down because you're being tricky. Here's the thing about that. One, football is a game wherein the opponent can know what you are doing, and if it's really a strength, you do it anyway. That's the strength of the Cowboys and their offensive line and run game. People know we're going to run. We run it anyway, and it's effective. That makes them overcommit to the run, and then that's when the passing game opens up. The other thing about this is that if you decide you're going to pass on first down because they they know the run's coming on first down, you better hope they complete a pass on that first down because then you get to second and 10, and however much they knew you were going to run on first down, now they really know you're going to run on second down because you're not going to want to face a third and 10. Now, sometimes the Cowboys said, forget that. We're going to face a third and 10, and they did, (laughs) believe me, and worse. Oh, yeah, all day, all day. Third and 10 would have been a – straight luxury and in fact that's a that's a good enough time as any ben for me to go ahead and give you a uh, a readout of the third down and yardage to go versus carolina throughout the day throughout the day okay third and 26 not good third and 12 still third not and good. 10 hmm. third and 11 third and seven third and three third and 11 third and 11 third and seven Third and 18, then a penalty. So third and 23, and then third and seven. We had one third down of less than five yards to convert during the entire contest. A lot of that was penalty-induced. A lot of that was shoddy play calling. I would say the majority of it was shoddy play calling. Um, Poor execution. I mean, there's really no... There's no there's no shortage of blame to go around on the offense on this one. There's not a single player on that entire offense I feel comfortable saying had a good game. 
You know what? Be- for for the conditions he was put under, I'm I'm going to remove Zeke from blame. I really do think that when he find when we finally committed to going with him on that, well, we'll get to this drive. But Zeke started ripping off chunks of yardage, seventeen yard runs, thirteen yard runs, and got in the end zone. So yeah, it finally started working late. Uh, you know, Cole had a decent game. This was just we put ourselves in these positions all day. We didn't respond to him well. And if you go back and listen to our podcast from last season, I can guarantee you at some point we know and we commented on and other people who watch games comment on. So you sure as hell defensive coordinators know this and the Dallas Cowboys offense and coaching staff know this. This team is not built to play third and long ball. They're not. They don't have an elite QB. They don't have an elite outside receiver or even a player that you might feel comfortable throwing the ball to. Not that it was active. Oh, why? For some reason, Rico Gathers was not active, which I don't understand. Glad he's on the 53 roster, though. Instead of um, You know, yeah, it, we weren't put in position to succeed by any accounts. And when we were put behind the chains, they responded terribly. Now, I, I just said, I mean, there's really, I would love to say that Dak had a bad game, and he did. The O-line had a bad game, and they did. Zeke had a bad game, and I guess he did, but we just went through. His opportunities were pretty limited. And I know, you know, we know all this, Andy, that it's going to be hard to make your living going against Luke Keekley and Kawan Short and Don Terry Poe running straight up the middle all game. But, God, did we give up on that early. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. (laughs) So if we just decided that that was going to be impossible – and by the way, we've had what a hundred and seventy days to to what game scheme this? Yeah, and we were promised all kinds of changes. Um, you know, the new age offense was supposed to come make its debut today. Um, you know, I didn't see much of a change, Ben. I saw tight ends get eighty two snaps while Tavon Austin played ten. I saw Blake Jarwin get forty five snaps. And then I heard today in a press conference that Jason Garrett said, I, w- I don't see anything conservative about playing two tight end in a fullback. Which, yeah, I just, say that. I just don't like, what are we, are we just like fucking around now? Well, we just, like, more to that point, pants? when asked about how the offense looked at, he said there were a lot of new wrinkles in there that are going to help us down, down the line. Are there? I, <laughs> if, if, why those wrinkles you mean instead of Ryan Switzer running a fake handoff, it was Tavon Austin, then yes, there were some new wrinkles. Otherwise, it was a lot more the same with less effective personnel than they had in 2017 and less effective personnel than they had in 2016. I agree. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can never run a tight end screen, but we ran three tight end screens and one screen to Tavon Austin. Like, wouldn't you just want to get the ball in the hands of more electric playmakers? I don't know. Well, that goes back. Who's the only playmaker on this offense is Zeke yeah. at all. He needs to lead the team in touches by a long shot. If you lose because he has 25 carries for 50 yards, then so be it. You know? Yeah. And so be it. Keep running. You know? A lot of players or a lot of teams do that and then – Hey, when the defense gets tired, their big guy finally breaks a 45-yarder. Exactly. Um, and unfortunately, Zeke didn't really get to face that very much because we just didn't give him the touches. Uh, 
you know, no. the Steelers went out there with a brand new rookie, effectively running back, and he got thirty three touches. Right, and and they went. No one. It was windy there. No one's saying the Browns are the Carolina Panthers, but that's just exactly to your point. I mean, Carlos Hyde, by the way, on the Browns got twenty two, and he only had sixty yards. But they kept giving who him has, the ball. Who has a more talented? Who has a more talented linebacker core? The Panthers or the Browns? I would say the Panthers just because of Luke Keekley. Okay. But the Browns are no slouches at linebacker. No. Besides that one dude that went going to jail for insider trading, which still kind of baller, but Dope. white people crimes. White people crimes. But yeah, no, but you know what I'm saying. It's just like I want to see Zeke has never been a guy. He's not Felix Jones. You don't give him one touch and hope he takes it to the house and that's it. Dude needs rhythm. He needs a lot of touches. I would have liked to see 15 touches in the first half. And if we need to go out there and run the ball three straight times and punt, I'd be more comfortable with that because then at least you are committing to your identity and you're forcing them to respect the fact that you will run the ball. We abandoned it so quickly. They were able to just be like, okay, cool. Now we just got to blitz Dak and cover, which we know they can do because we don't have any receivers. Yeah. So going back to this game, um, Carolina gets one more field goal before the half. We end at the half. The Dallas Cowboy drives in that half are three plays for negative 12. We actually didn't even get to their touchdown. You want to do that real quick? Yeah, we we just we didn't do anything. We we didn't cross their side of the field all day in the first half, which by the way, I think I saw was the first time since what 2002 or something. Yeah. That a Cowboys offense hasn't done that. Um they we then just, we we punted to them. They got a thirty yard return out of their return man that put them on our thirty five, uh, and then they pretty much just marched it down our throat. They got two carries to McCaffrey, a uh, short pass by Cam, and then some more McCaffrey, and then Cam Newton doing his read option thing and running up our gut and scoring a touchdown. Um, so that makes it seven uh, zero. They would get like Ben mentioned. They would get one more field goal. Uh, before halftime. Um, so we went into the locker room at 10 0. Um, so, you know, at this point, a normal team is like, let's make some adjustments. And I will say this, Ben. From everything I've heard from the defensive guys, including Sean Lee, there were adjustments made on the defensive side of the ball that did help. They fixed the situation where Cam was able to run at will. They changed their assignments on that side of things, and they shut them down. Um, the only thing that kept this from becoming Denver last year or the Chargers game last year was this defense, instead of allowing Carolina to reel off 35 points, which they very easily probably could have or should have with all the opportunities they had, um, our defense held them to 16, which they can hold a chin high for. They play and they played amazing. I mean, yeah, D-Law picked up right where he left off, and we'll get into like we'll get into the specific performances of each unit. But um, would you say your team should win seventy percent of games, seventy five percent of games where you you hold the team to sixteen or less? I'll say that Tom Landry's rule for the team was to the defense: if you give up less than seventeen points, we will always win the game. That's what mm-hmm. Tom Landry said before he went to heaven to take over as Christ himself. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty good assumption, Ben. I think that giving up 16 – I mean, even last year, last year's team would have won 
significantly more games, giving up 16 points. Like, it's insane. But, uh, so Carolina gets the ball back at half. Um, we do we do have Maher doing his kicking debut for the boys. He he does have a leg on him. He's kicking it out of the back of the end zone, which is nice to see. Um, Carolina came out swinging on this second one, uh, second half, uh, immediately with a little swing pass to McCaffrey, and then going with C.J. Anderson. Uh, both plays are first downs. And then we get a penalty uh, on Antoine Woods for encroachment. And so they're now first and 10 on our 47. Uh, and it looks like, you know, oh, maybe the defense is going to crack here. Uh, Cam throws an incomplete pass to McCaffrey. And then uh, Kayvon Frazier comes up, makes a great play here. Great tackle for loss. Uh, Three-yard loss there. Puts him at 3-13. and 13. And then Cam, forcing, forcing, being forced to pass at 3-13, and 13, is sacked for a loss of eight yards by Malik Collins. So pretty much we did here what they were doing to us all day, which was getting this offense behind the chains and then forcing a guy who's not exactly the greatest passer in history in Cam Newton to sit back there and make a throw. And when he was forced to do that, he gave up a coverage sack. because. And I will say this, Chris Richard had these DBs ready to play. I think the the best unit we had all day was probably the DBs. Mm, Yeah, I I, I wouldn't totally disagree. I I feel in the front four was pretty damn good. Outside of the missed Um, tackles, I'd agree with you. But they had some, yeah, had some missed tackle issues. More in the linebackers, linebackers for sure. The that unit did not play well. Um, Sean Lee included. He missed more tackles in this game than I've seen him miss maybe in his career. The the defense combined for sixteen missed tackles, which is uh, the most. That's more than they had in any game last year. Um, I'll say this, Ben. It's a weird way to look at it, but I'm a, for one like I take it a little positively that one we could have that kind of issue. And it doesn't really show on the scoreboard. And two, if I told you last, you know, even the day beforehand, hey, Sean Lee's going to have his worst statistical day as a Cowboy. How's that going to go? I mean, this team didn't survive not having Sean Lee play at the highest level last year. Yeah, our, our pretty much our our defense has been as Sean Lee goes, so the defense goes uh, at least for I would say five years at least. Um, so it's good to see that even him having an off game, we still looked like a pretty – I don't want to use the word elite yet, but they looked good. They were, they were definitely a good unit. Um, Carolina's offense, once again, is not their strength. No one's going to scare. But Cam Newton has one at MVP. They did get Christian McCaffrey. He's a real shifty guy. Um, Greg Olson did leave, who's probably their only real real threat at pass catcher. Uh, DJ Moore, their first-round rookie, was pretty quiet all day. But – the defense balled out. I mean, they really did. Uh, yeah. They gave us a chance. Like I said, they forced a turnover on the, the in on the goal line uh, that in the first first quarter. So I, I couldn't have asked more from them. You know, it feels weird to nitpick on on the defense. No, I totally agree with you. Um, and unfortunately, the the offense it would show signs of kind of getting things going. But it just never seemed to put it all together. I mean, we'll get to one where they do. But um, on this particular drive, uh, we run Zeke right off the bat, which is good. Uh, we're on. We're starting on our own eight here. Um, gets two yards. Dak gets a twenty-yard completion uh, to Deontay Thompson, which is uh, no to Alan Hearns. Sorry, and that is the longest completion of the day uh, in the air. Twenty-yard pass. I think um, the one time today that the ball traveled. 
and this is just me at the top of my head. I don't have the stat, but the one time today I saw the ball go past the sticks on a throw. Um, at least the longest throw. I, I just mean the longest ball in the air today. It was yeah. a 20-yard gain. I think our longest play of the game. Maybe Zeke busted a longer run, but, oh, man, that was that was it. That was your longest yeah. play of the game right there on a broken play where Dak's running for his life and he finds Hearns just kind of sitting in a zone. Um, they do get a penalty on that play. Carolina gets an illegal contact penalty. We decline it not as so as not to rob Dak of his longest passing play of the day. Um, then we Dak- get first and 10, so we're going to run, right, Goat? First and 10, pass complete to Beasley. Oh. Uh, but then we do go for in shotgun. We go to Elliott uh, on second down. He gets a 17-yard run, followed by a Dak scramble up the middle for five. And that's another thing, Ben. I'll say this. I was very surprised by the lack of using Dak as a runner at all during this game. Um, well, look at across the field. I mean, this game could almost be broken down between North Turner playing against a – as an offensive coordinator coaching against a good defensive unit and Scott Linehan coaching against a good defensive unit. And Norv Turner found a way to use his weapons. Yeah. And not to like devastating effect. I mean, these guys got 16 points. Right. Didn't blow anyone's doors off, but yeah, it was ugly. So um, we're now at second and five on the Carolina 48. This is the first time Dallas has passed midfield. We are in Carolina territory. Um. Dak tries to go deep to Jeff Swaim, uh, does not work out, and then on fourth down we punt. So, forty-six yards on that drive, certainly better than the ones before it, but still not looking great. Um, Carolina takes over on their own fifteen. They run it to McCaffrey, who gets stopped by Lee for two yards. They run him again. He gets stopped by Frazier and Heath for three yards. I do uh, want to interrupt real quick there, go to mention yeah. that Kayvon Frazier actually had a day. I know we were talking about Earl Thomas, and by the way, he had an interception after missing the entire summer on the first drive of the game. But, um, you know, Kayvon Frazier did have a pretty nice game. He popped a little bit. Yeah, he did. He definitely showed up, especially given that his shoulder was in uh, a sling and uh, it, it was not optimal conditions for Kayvon, and he, he really stepped up. I was very proud of that. Um, so they, they end up stopping the, uh, the drive here, three plays, five yards, uh, another good defensive stand Cowboys take over on their own 45. So we got a short field, um, right out the gate, throw a pass to Beasley again, passing on first down. I know it worked, but, uh, 11 yards to Beasley. Then he tries a short pass to Zeke goes incomplete. Uh, Zach Dak is then, uh, sacked for a one yard loss. Um, and so we face another third and long, third and 11. Uh, Dak finds Beasley, who weaves his way for 16 yards. Uh, and then so we have first and 10 on the Carolina 29. You're starting to be like, okay, this could be, this could be the one. First time we got a snap on their side of the field, by the way, was uh, that play earlier on this drive. So now on the 29 is the furthest we've made it all game inside Carolina territory. So first and 10. So you got to get points here. You know yeah, you have to get have points. Have to get points. Uh, Elliott runs for three yards. Uh, there's a penalty on Lael Collins for offensive holding. So now we're first and 20. Uh, Dak scrambles for three yards. Not a designed run, obviously. Uh, on second and 17, short pass to Terrence Williams for six yards. 
So we're at second and 17, and we're running six-yard routes here. Third and 11, uh, Dak dumps it off to Elliott for a one-yard gain. Um, so now it's fourth and 10 on the Carolina 29, and Brett Maher runs out there to take his first field goal kick as a Dallas Cowboy. Uh, it's windy. There's rain. It's 47 yards. Um, Brett's leg looked good. He had definitely had the distance for that and a lot more but he just shaved it a little bit to the right. It drifted in the air and ended up, you know, kind of brushing the outside of the goalpost on the right side. So the Cowboys come away with no points. Uh, Was there any doubt he was going to miss that? Like, no, not with, but did anyone think he was going to make that? Just the way the game had gone, the feel. Already one last thing we could see is manure go out there and, miss a field goal no i think you're totally right um so they get to take over on their own 37 great field position for them with a missed field goal um newton hits funches right out the gate uh that's the a tackle there made 15 yards downfield by leighton vander esch who did dress for the game um still maintain that's a huge waste of a pick but hey uh then mccaffrey goes for 15 yards has to be tackled by byron jones uh, then C.J. Anderson up the middle for four, and then uh, second and six at the Dallas 29. Uh, Cam Newton throws to Devin Funches for 14 yards, first and 10 on the 15. Uh, C.J. Anderson runs right, and uh, we stop them, but we get a defensive offsides penalty on this one. So now it's first and five on our 10. Anderson gets nine yards there, and then on first and goal at the one, the uh, fullback dives in. They go for a two-point conversion. They do fail. Uh, so that gets them to 16-0. to zero. I think he just snapped it and fucked up, but yeah. Uh, either way, that was, that was it. That was the back-breaking. That missed field goal. We knew we needed points. Um, at this point, we're at the 14 14- minutes left in the fourth and we're only down 16 which used to in the Romo era or good offenses I'm sure you feel like you have a chance but man it felt like we were down 36 to zero at this point it just felt like we had no chance so the Cowboys uh to their credit uh Dak and those guys I mean Dak as usual dude never stopped fighting which is good to see um, well, they kind of changed it up. This next drive that you're about to get into, they go shotgun most of the game. They go no, no, no huddle, huddle, yeah, and they let Dak use his legs a little bit. It's like once they threw the game plan out that wasn't working for three quarters, we actually saw some semblance well, of an offense. Like, it was like once Scott wasn't getting to call every play, <laughs> suddenly everything started going right. So first and 10 of the Dallas 25 after a touchback, uh, Dak throws to Gallup, who draws a defensive pass interference call. First and 10 of the 35. Zeke goes for 16 yards. Then Zeke goes for four yards. Dak hits a pass to Beasley for six. Then a dump off to Elliott for three. Then finds Deontay Thompson for 13. Carolina calls a timeout. Um, So now we got first and 10 at the Carolina 23. We ripped these off really quick. I mean, that was a total of like maybe two minutes it took us to get pretty much 50 yards. Uh, Dak hits Beasley for four yards. We run Zeke up the gut. That's a one-yard loss. Then Dak scrambles. 
this was actually pretty good on Dak's part. He eluded a rusher, got to the outside, and managed to make it nine yards downfield. So now it's first and 10 at the Carolina 11. Zeke goes for seven yards, and then Zeke goes for four yards uh, for a touchdown. Um, they actually ran a cool little option play for the yeah. touchdown, which I would have liked to see more of. I was going to say the one thing that I really liked was that that little play. Um, you know, I think – and we'll get into it. Uh, I mean, this game's almost almost done, but we'll get into, I think, how Dak could be an effective QB. He certainly was not today. But he has to, in order to be at his best, his legs have to be a weapon. If you just yeah. ask that guy to go back there, sit in the pocket and – carve people up he's not that type of guy he's not that dude well, and a testament to that on this play they know they need two points everyone knows what's coming direct snap to Dak he runs it up the gut he makes it in we get the two-point conversion so mm-hmm. that would really be the last points of the game uh this game would end 16 to 8 um the Cowboys defense would make a very heroic stand in the fourth quarter getting two stops uh in order to get the within the last four minutes to get our offense, the ball back. It just never, we could just never put it together again. Um, so the, the game ends 16 to eight. Um, and like we said, there just wasn't a, a lot to like here on the offensive side of the ball. No, um, we had a couple shots too, at the end, a couple drives, none of them really came close. Um, um I would have liked to, I don't know. I, I was going to say see something. You know, Dak winds up actually fumbling on his last snap, gets recovered, and they kneel it out. You know, the offense ultimately go, puts up less than 250 total yards. Dak throws for less than 200 yards, and they put up eight total points. Yeah, I think Dak ended up 19 of 29 for 170. No touchdowns, no picks. Six sacks, though. Elliott rushes 15 total times for 69 yards and a touchdown. Again, that 15 number just bothers me to no end. Your leading receiver is Cole Beasley with seven catches on eight targets for 73 yards. I mean, Cole, Cole did his, Cole did his yeah. job, um, but no one else in the receiving core really shows up. You got one catch for Hearns. You got three catches for Thompson, but they total 23 yards. Um, it's just a – it's a very – sluggish pace for what you'd want to see by comparison to a team that's designed to run the ball, put you on your heels, kill clock. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not great. Dak does lose a fumble. There's a couple other, we can just get right into offense, Ben. Um, let's go ahead and read stats a little bit. I know you have some, I know I have some, um, for this offense, Going back now, the last nine games this is the fifth time they've scored single digits, uh, and the sixth is, time less than fifteen. Yep, yep. Going back the last ten games or nine games, sorry, uh, this is the seventh time in those last nine games where Dak has thrown less than two hundred passing yards, which is. I don't even think considered the NFL average is 200. It's got to be like 225, 230. Yeah. And this is Ezekiel Elliott's worst statistical yardage going back in a game where he's had at least this many carries going back to his debut against the New York Giants his rookie year. I believe all those things. And the ball did not travel 
over 20 yards in the air at any point of Dak's 29 attempts. And, you know, the the moments that were really concerning for me were not statistical, Ben. Um, I know you remember this play. Um, There was one particular play where Dak had to escape the pocket. He had a pretty much a wide open running lane in front of him. And then downfield with about 10 yards of cushion in every direction is Blake Jarwin. Um, Now, I'm not saying Blake Jarwin is like the best receiver in history, uh, but he is wide, wide, wide open. Boy, it certainly looked like a play you had to hit there. And Um, Dak throws it about five yards short and into the dirt. That was a bad miss. That was Dak's worst throw of the game, and he did have plenty of bad ones. That one tops the list because it looked like, at minimum, that was going to be a 30-yard gain, maybe a touchdown if he throws that up and leads him. I'll say this. When I was listening to Broadus earlier today, uh he's watched the All-22 footage that we aren't you know, aren't privy to. He gets the coach's film. And he said that for all the hand-wringing about the receivers not getting open, the number one thing he saw was Dak missed a lot of open guys. Saw, like, either with his eyes or with his arm, missed a lot of open guys. Yeah, and on that one in particular, the the Jarwin one, which is the most, I think the one we'll most remember from this game, uh, apparently there's miscommunication between the two, but I just, that's what Jason said. I just don't see how you, you're an NFL quarterback. You got to at least put that, you got to give him a chance. I'm not saying you have to lead him terrific, throw it where he is, but you have to give your guy a chance. You can't throw that at his feet. He wasn't sitting down. It looked like he was running. Um, But yeah, I mean, of those things that I listed off and we read, there's a lot of grave concerns about this offense. Yeah, most definitely. Um, like we mentioned earlier, play calling, incredibly uninspired, predictable, non-creative, whatever you want to call it. Um, Dak had a bad day and it seemed like they were determined from the offensive standpoint to make him be the focus of the offense. Like you're coming into this, you know, you have Zeke Elliott. Zeke doesn't have a terrible day. I mean, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry. He had a touchdown. I am very surprised. I mean, don't get me wrong. I knew there was a chance we'd lose this game, but I figured this would be a loss where it's like Zeke rushes 32 times for 115 yards and a touchdown and we lose. Not Zeke only touches the ball and we have Dak throw almost 30 times. Well, that's what I was trying to say to somebody. You know, this one was – it's not that we lost. It's how we lost. And like we lost those games last year, we just look – so bad (laughs) yeah like we just look like a a, so far from a contender there's games we lost in the Romo era we're eight and eight and there's games we've lost before with Dak where you it's a pick them where you're like well that could have gone either way but this we just look so inept on offense like there's no possible way that any team any D coordinator is scared of this team when they play us the way the way they play right now this is a this is the kind of game where if we had one, like let's say Cam Newton throws some atrocious pick six in their last possession, and we get the two point conversion and tie, and we go to overtime and win this, we're still going to be sitting here terrified about how bad this offense was. I mean, yeah. it was bad. And there's excuses abundant. I know that. I know you know it was week one. There's not a lot of people played. Carolina looked rusty too. You look around the league; plenty of teams look rusty. I mean, hell, the Lions right now are getting blown out, forty-eight to seventeen, to the New York Jets as I speak. The Jets, 
um, at home. So there's there's a lot of teams that are going to be scratching their heads after week one. But, Jesus, that's why I included the stuff from last year. I mean, this is more of the same from an offense that was supposed to be different. And Agreed. now we're thinking this is all coach talk. And it leads me to my point. No, yeah, I, I think uh, I think you got a great point there. I just think that we've gotten to a point where, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of just change coming to this offense. Um, they, it seems like they're doing a lot of more of the same. We've seen this exact playbook before, and they're they're not doing anything to keep anyone guessing. I mean, people know we're going to run, and then for if your only change is going to be you don't run, that just doesn't seem like a great plan. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to see. Um, I do want to do want to highlight the defense a little bit. Um, the defense, like we said, they gave up 16 total points. They did have a, a much better day than the offense. The uh, star of that show, obviously, Demarcus Lawrence. Um, Lawrence came out with seven tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, and a fumble recovery. Uh, the other big highlight, I would say, was just the fact that the secondary performed so, so well. Um, Cam did mint, did managed to have uh, some success in the passing game in the intermediate short route area. Uh, but when it came down to it, there was nothing open downfield. And a lot of the sacks that we saw from Cam were him kind of scrambling around looking for something downfield that wasn't there. Um, so a, a big tip of the hat to Chris Richard, uh, who managed to really make sure these guys show up huge. Um, Jalen Smith definitely also had a good day. Uh, Jalen ended up with four tackles and a sack. Uh, we haven't gotten to see much of, of Jalen uh, in real game time action, but he he definitely came to play. The linebackers did struggle a little bit with missed tackles, um, but Jalen managed to make an impact, and that's what we were kind of looking for in this first game, getting a sack. Uh, and then the, the other guy I want to highlight is definitely Cheeto. Uh, you know, this is a guy that had high expectations, had a little back soreness coming into this game from a week of practice. Uh, and he managed to get four tackles and a forced fumble. Um, so a lot of stars on defense, uh, you know, right there. D-Law, Jalen Cheeto, all huge performances. I mean, Ben, I, I think Tank looks like he's in for a monster year. Yeah, Tank certainly looked uh, like a playmaker out there. Um, he was even talked asked about that after game, and he said, you know, I don't play for individual stats, obviously. All they care about the W, which you would want him to say. I hope we pay that guy. I think he's the real deal. Um, he was, I mean, Cam Newton's probably the biggest quarterback as far as just a fit guy, you know, a guy that's hard to take down. And oh yeah, there was one sack where Lawrence got his hands on him and just dragged him down. I mean, Lawrence is a big, strong guy. Most definitely. And he also tackled Newton for a tackle for loss. It wasn't technically a sack cause he was already a runner, but again, managed to just like muscle Cam Newton to the dirt, which was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, man, the, the areas of concern is a long discussion today. Um, ben, I'll start offensive line. Um, we saw Dak taking a lot, a lot of pressure. Um, Connor Williams, uh, and you know, I know that people are pleading for patience with this kid, 
Very high, very highly touted coming out of Texas. Um, and he's not been handed the easiest gig with a lot more pressure put on him with the, you know, Travis Frederick not being in, not being able to kind of back him up on that side. Um, but man, he was getting thoroughly dominated uh, pretty much all game. Yeah, uh, this O line, unfortunately, it's really scary to think that we may have seen its peak in 2014, 15, and 16. Now, if Frederick comes back and gets back to himself, maybe that goes away. But I don't think Lael was as good as this for this line as Doug Free was. I I, I still think I liked Lael back at guard. And looking at Connor Williams, I know we're talking about a rookie in his first game. He just looks small out there, man. I know yeah, he, he was an All-American at Texas, but for guard, he looks tiny, man. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then the line's troubles weren't confined to Connor either. Um, Lael had several costly penalties. Uh, Tyron Smith had several costly penalties. Yep. Uh, now I know, like the the prevailing wisdom about offensive lines is you can you can go get the five best linemen in the league and they'll do a pretty good job. But the strength of any offensive line unit is them, their cohesion as a single working right. group. Um, and that's going to be difficult to do when you're losing the center, you're bringing in backups. There's a new rookie you're breaking in. L hasn't been, you know, a 100% part of the group forever. Um, and I think that that is the difference between this unit. And when you had Doug free and Ron Leary here, who despite. Well, yeah. In 2014, what did, Martin Frederick and Tyrone played what like ninety eight percent of offensive snaps or something. Correct. Yeah. So, Better? yeah. So they've that that's that's definitely just going to be a huge changeover. Um, I'm hoping that you know either they kind of gel more as the season goes on. Um, you know, man, I feel like such a homer bringing this up, but in 2014 we did see a similar game to open the season against San Francisco. Um, Tony threw three picks. The offensive line looked terrible. Um, and we got blasted right out the gate. Um, the next week they came back, they got down 21 to zero to St. Louis. It looked like all was lost. Uh, and the Cowboys managed to climb out of that hole and eventually go 12 and four. Um, and in fact, the last two seasons that the Cowboys have lost their, their opener were 2016 and 2014, both years they ended up making the playoffs so we know that i'm not saying that that's what's going to happen here what i am saying is it can you can really lose your first game in embarrassing fashion and come back from it in fact the last four times we've lost our first game we've gone to the playoffs and last two times we've won our first game we've missed the playoffs so i you know none of that's saying that there's a trend but it's just saying that it does put in perspective go that is one game it is one game it was a bad, ugly one game, but yeah, it was one game. So the Cowboys have a lot to focus on. Um, you know, they've their the offensive line stuff will have to be rectified. Dak is going to have to be more accurate. The receivers will have to either continue to or start getting, depending on who you ask, open. Uh, and man, and this is a small one, but man, Brett's got to hit these kicks. Uh, until that dude drills a long field goal in a clutch situation, that monkey on his back about Dan Bailey is never going to disappear. No, he booted it, that's for sure. Brett Manure or Brett Maherfucker, whichever you want to call him. Uh, I've seen several insults on, on the Twitter. Um, on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, I, we'll see, man. It's It's one game. 
and that's that's all I can say at this point because there was a trend at the end of last season. I'm afraid that with this coaching staff, as I kind of said, uh, I had a little cut off, but this coaching staff I have zero faith in to fix the problems, but yeah. there is time. So who knows? Well, and, and that, that's as good a place as any to, you know, Ben, are you, I'll ask you the question and I'll answer it myself. Are you done with the Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan era? Are you willing to see, waited out to the end of the year? Would you prefer that Jerry pull the ripcord now? If he called you and asked, what would you tell him? Yeah, I'm absolutely done with Jason. Um, this guy's been in Dallas now 11 seasons, seven as head coach. I think he's, what did we read today? Like the sixth ten, longest tenured head coach in the league? Yep. Um, And he's got nothing to show for. We've seen what these teams do. And I like Jason sometimes. But you can't tell me that week to week we're a prepared team. You can't tell me that week to week he makes in-game adjustments. Well, Tony um, Romo said in an interview that Jason's not really an X's and O's guy, which yeah. given that we have terrible clock management, we get delay of game penalties all the time and mismanage clutch situations. I'm not really totally clear on what Jason does do. Yeah. He other than do X's and O's and he doesn't do game strategy. Well, is he just the designated guy that claps? He's really good at clapping. I don't think anyone would disagree that it's this point. Like, I, I, It's gotten to the point where every Cowboy fan I ask wants him fired. I haven't yeah. seen this type of reaction from Cowboys maybe since Wade that year. We started out like 1-7, and seven, and it was clear the team had just quit. Um, or even before that when Campo was around. But, dude, I'm done with him. I, I don't care if it's tomorrow. I don't know what it would take to get him fired this season. I think Jerry wants him to succeed so bad. I mean, these guys go on fucking vacations together. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm I'm through. I I think at minimum Scott needs to leave. Um, yeah. I want both gone, but at minimum Scott needs to go. And, and, you know, you can go ahead and answer it for yourself, Andy, but I just see no improvement on this team at a year-to-year basis. No, I, I totally agree with you. The only part I'm torn on is whether or not it's a good idea to jettison a coaching staff midseason. Um, if we had someone kind of waiting in the wings like we did with, with Jason when he took over from Wade, that would be one thing. Um, I don't think there's anyone on this staff that you want to put in as interim head coach. I don't think Marinelli can head coach the team, and I think Chris Richard is too new. Um, so maybe you get Kellen Moore to be the head coach. For a while. Oh, you're going, Kellen. I was going to bring out an outside guy, a real innovator. Uh, he's been really good for the Texas Tech offense. That's Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, tight. He could be best friends with all the players. He'll <laughs> lose, but he'll they'll be like real tight, dude. Jerry's like, I see that boy Sean McVay over there in in LA. We got us a good looking boy too. He wears sunglasses just like that McVay he's, boy. He's a good looking youngin. Uh, players seem to like that, so I'm going to go ahead and uh. Oh, for Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, now, Dak, now, now, Dak, I know you're having trouble slinging the ball. So I found you a boy that loves to sling the ball. Cliff, get on in here. You can keep the sunglasses on, no problem. No, yeah, that is my nightmare. That is <laughs> my absolute nightmare. Um, good God. I don't even – So, but – um. Yeah, I mean, all these coaches, all these players that we're talking about, they're going to get another chance. It is week one. This isn't the end of the season. If this was the last game of the year and they were trying to get in the playoffs and they'd done this, man, they'd be in for a long offseason. But they can erase all of this. 
I know. Next week. You know, I'm just uh-huh. going to say this before we get into preview. Um, I am going to continue to call for Jason Garrett's head on every single pod from here the rest of the season, regardless of fine by me. Okay. Um, And so with, with that said, we do turn the page on this nightmarish game. Uh, We will only return to it in our year in review episode at the end of the year, where we sit on our couch together and talk about how, man, can you believe we won the Super Bowl after that terrible week one loss against Carolina? So, Coming up this next week, the Cowboys do have uh, kind of what you would consider a marquee matchup. This is a matchup that uh, normally is reserved for the first week of the season uh, in prime time. We've played the the Giants every week one as long as I can remember, but this time around they made us wait until week two. Uh, So we do play the New York Giants this coming Sunday in prime time. Uh, the Giants are coming off of a game where they had to go immediately right out the gate and play uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably one of, if not the best defenses uh, in the league. Uh, Three years ago, teams were to lick their chops to play Jacksonville. Very uh, true. Not anymore. For those who haven't kept up, the Jaguars are kind of bona fide. Uh, they no one's really- lining up to play against Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Boye. They're yeah. loaded. They're they're loaded. They really should have won the AFC last year. They came very, very close to representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. They got a lot of swagger, and the Giants took them pretty deep. Jacksonville, to be fair, was leading all game, and Leonard Fournette, their star running back, left midway through the second. Killed my fantasy team. Thanks. Um, but uh, never being, nevertheless, the Giants looked a little more dangerous this year than they have last they, year. They, they kicked three field goals. Um, and then in the in the fourth quarter, they got a great run out of the rookie Saquon Barkley, um, Goat's favorite player. I'll say this: it made his stat line look a lot better. Dude ended up with 18 carries for 106 and a touchdown. That's an excellent day, given that before that he had uh, 17 carries for 38 yards. So, <laughs> yeah. Now some people, and I'm not saying this is me, some people would say that. Uh, Pounding in a long, flashy, garbage time touchdown that doesn't affect the game when you failed to convert five third downs, two fourth downs, and a two point conversion would make you less valuable than being a real running back instead of a highlight machine. But hey, again, those are just the opinions of people who are very smart and good looking and know a lot about football. So that's my piece on that. Um, but yeah, we do play, all joking aside, uh, we do play the New York Giants this Sunday. They do have Saquon Barkley, who has obviously caused a tremendous amount of hype coming into the league. He was an absolute machine uh, at Penn State. He very similar to Zeke in that he does it all. Um, he can catch the ball really well. He can block. He can run between the tackles. He can run outside. Um, incredibly thick, powerful back who also has top-end speed. Uh, they also bring to town... Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., fresh off becoming the highest-paid wide receiver in the National Football League. Um, Still rolling out Eli Manning uh, and the same offensive line um, with a couple additions. But this is a team that always plays us close. We very rarely have games with the Giants that are not uh, slug-out affairs. Um, In this game against Jacksonville, Eli went 23 of 37 for 224 with a pick. 
no touchdowns. Barkley rushed 18 times for 106 yards. Uh, as a team, they rushed 23 times for 114 yards. So Barkley's really the show there. Uh, and then on the receiving side, Beckham caught 11 balls on 15 targets for 111 yards. Um, so Ben, I don't know how much of the uh, the Giants game you got to watch. Uh, I only caught a little bit of it myself. I did see that, you know, obviously I saw the Barkley run. I saw uh, two interceptions, one by Janoris Jenkins and then one by Miles Jack, which he returned for a touchdown against Eli Manning. Um, we know they can kick field goals. So what are your thoughts going into this week against our most hated rival? They are my most hated rival. I know Cowboy fans go different ways. A lot of you guys hate Philly. Some hate the R words. I'm okay with that. I've always hated the Giants, really, in my lifedom as a fan. Um, I've seen them win two Super Bowls and seen their smug asses celebrate. I hate them. I literally think Eli Manning is a terrible quarterback and has had six good games his entire career. Um, and somehow he's going to go in the Hall of Fame for that. But uh, even that bias aside, I still don't think he's very good. Um, oh, he, I'm super stoked he's their quarterback. Yeah. I am beyond happy. I was really worried they were going to get a real quarterback. Yeah, he's definitely washed. I think the fact that they took a running back at their second pick instead of replacing his corpse is hilarious. But um, that being said, they did take a running back at two. All hype on this guy has been through the ceiling. I'm not totally sold on it, but it'll be a good test for our offense. Or, I mean, our defense against the likes of Saquon and Odell, as big of a douchebag as he is, is a premier threat on the outside. Um, and Never I Never really killed us, though. No, nope, has not, has not, not had a huge game against Dallas. Besides the catch, uh, I think he had two touchdowns that day and that you know lame-ass catch he had that set the world on fire, even though they took a fucking L. I will remind all fans they lost that fucking game. Yeah, um, stick highlighting that loss, dude. That was really tight. By the way, over, under... That replay getting shown three times in this game. Oh, easiest money of the year over. Minimum five before kickoff. It was Sunday night. How often does how in love does Collinsworth sound during oh. a thing? How many times does he wax himself to this? Just swoons on the daily to the, the <laughs> Beckham catch. So yeah, that's it's gonna be an interesting matchup, man. You know, the uh This will be the best I'll, a great test for our D, man. It really will. I think our D, I, I really think the defense is up to it. We didn't even play an A game from the defense. We got a, a B-level game at best from the linebackers, um, and we had some missed tackles across the whole defense. I think if our defense shows up to play, we can shut these guys down. Uh, yeah. Offense, however, I am concerned. This is going to be a object that doesn't move versus a force that is more than <laughs> – stoppable uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know i fucked that up but what i'm trying to say is these are two weak units at this point i really don't think of this giants defense two years ago they were one of the best in the nfl um last year with pretty much the exact same personnel coming back they were flat out awful um they have a new head coach they got rid of the child molester ben mcadoo um i really hope he's not within 500 yards of a school no uh, dude he's easily watching his 200 hours worth of kitty porn that he's downloaded this week <laughs> as we speak. Um, sending out resumes for a new coaching gig somewhere. <laughs> um, no, the, the, I bring up this defense is going to be tough to to really tell how good they are. Um, 
they were okay against Jacksonville. Jacksonville is not really a great offense, and their only really good player left the game. So that wasn't much of a litmus test. Um, they still have some big names. They still have Janoris Jenkins. They still have Landon Collins. They still have Snacks Harrison. Um, I think Olivier Vernon's there, but he may be banged up in this one. Uh, so they have some names on that defense, Goat. Um, we've beaten them, I think, what, three of the last four times? Two of the last four. They beat us oh, both really? times in six. Oh, that's right. They yeah. Both times last year. Dak's rookie year, they beat us both. And, okay. So, you know, it, it's going to be a toss-up. It would be a toss-up anyway because division games always are. But I'll say this. Loser goes to 0-2, Goat, and that's scary. That's the magic line they always say. Very difficult for 0-2 teams to make the playoffs. Absolutely. So what do you see on that that side of the ball? Oh, man, this one's tough. You know, um, I want to say that we are capable of beating this team because I think we are. Uh, I really do think that our defense can can handle the playmakers that they have. But, man, it depends what offense we get. If we, get, we-, the, if we get the offense that showed up to Kansas City last year, then we can roll this team. If we get the offense that showed up in Carolina on Sunday, this team could easily beat us 17 to 6 with us scoring like two field goals and them getting like a touchdown from Barkley, a touchdown from Odell and kicking a field goal. So it's uh it's really a toss up. I'm I'm really torn. I don't even know if I can make a prediction on this because I'm so in the dark as to what offense we're going to get. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. We could be looking at another 16 to 8 game. I mean, I think the prevailing this may be have the lowest over over under of the next week. Um they haven't released the lines yet, but I would almost guess that we're going to be up there. Oh yeah. Uh so you're going to see a really ugly slugfest. Um Zeke's had some mixed games against them goat. Um he actually rushed for over 100 his rookie year, his first campaign was a little softer, was okay. Last year, I think uh, he missed them one time, or did he play them both times? Uh, let me look. Was that the game he, we beat them without him the second time? We definitely beat – yeah, because Rod Smith had his, like, big catch against them. And that, like, and that was actually the last yard. game Dak – in the last 15 games, I think, the last time Dak threw for over 300 yards. Um. He did torch them that game. We looked pretty good. So it's really tough to say, you know, that 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 their defense is is questionable and our offense is questionable. And yeah. I'm I'm not confident that we can dominate that matchup yet. But I want to see Zeke get twenty touches. Zeke sure. was in the first game. Um Okay. He got twenty four carries for hundred and four yards. Okay. And I think that's about what you're gonna see from him. I don't think you're gonna see a lot of rip against this D, but I'm I'm fine with that. 24 carries, 100 yards. Give the man 24 touches, and you we'll will. Win. Yeah, you will. You will have my blessing. So it's going to be a crazy good game. I'm excited about it. It's always fun to play the Giants. Um, and this would be. There's no better way for them for this team to get back on track than for it to go out and defeat a division rival. Um, so we will definitely be back uh, next week to discuss that a little bit more. Um, Ben, do you want to uh, discuss a little bit of what we've seen around the rest of the NFL? Yeah, we'll do that. We'll come back to predictions at the end. Um, around the league, as we said, the Giants took an L. Um, unfortunately, on Thursday night football, the Philadelphia Eagles did defend 
um, their championship. Although Nick Foles looked completely human goat, they won a very similar. Who would screw up last? Yeah, very similar to the division game that these two teams played last week or uh, last year, sorry, in the playoffs. But ultimately, Matt Ryan showed the fact that he was still pretty much garbage outside of his one year. Um, and yeah, That is an odd thing. He looked so good as an MVP and then and just not been able to recreate that at all. Philly won a, an 18-12 to 12 game despite getting hosed by Julio Jones. Oof. So Philly moves to 1-0. Um, in our division as well, the Washington R-Words actually looked really, really good. Goat, uh, I don't know how much of that one you got to see. I didn't really get to watch much of it. The, the parts I did watch made it seem like it was less about them being good and more about their opponent not showing up. Yeah, the Cardinals were not very good. Alex Smith, this was his debut um, with the Redskins as well as Adrian Peterson's. They both looked much like they have pretty much their career. AP at 96 in a TD. Alex Smith threw for 250 and no or no picks, two touchdowns. Chris Thompson with a couple splash plays. Um, but they look good, Goat. They were moving the ball all day uh, from the highlights. Arizona was completely lost offensively, which a lot of people thought might be the case with Sam Bradford at the helm. Um, How long do you think they go, they can hold out before they throw Rose into the Wolves? Man, a month. I think I think if they lose their first four games, they start Rosen. Yeah, it's it's starting to be that time of year where Bradford gets a new contract from somebody, so it's almost time for him to go get like a four-year, $40 million deal from Miami. That guy has the best agent in the NFL. Oh, he, really does. he just walks around with Bradford's highlight Heisman tape in his pocket at all times on a thumb drive. Um, other things we want to root for, because I think this NFC is stacked, is anytime you see AFC teams playing NFC teams, root for the AFC team. Uh, we got that yesterday with the Broncos being the Seahawks, although I think the Seahawks reign as contenders in the NFC is coming to an end goat. The Case Keenum-led Broncos won that one 27-24. Earl Thomas, a pretty bad game from Case Keenum. Yeah, he wasn't super sharp. Earl Thomas did have an interception. He did play. I'm still holding out hope the Seahawks will trade him to us after they play us week three because they just don't want me. So uh, I don't know if you saw that one, but uh, it was it was it was a mediocre game. <laughs> it was it was bad on both. I mean, Russell Wilson threw two picks, and yep. uh, Case Keenum threw three picks. I mean, that's that's not great. And as we saw last year, uh, no one goes into. Denver the first two weeks of the year and wins. Bob Miller had three sacks. That guy's incredible. Speaking of guys who aren't incredible, the Packers and Bears played Sunday night, Goat. Uh, this was in our league. Uh, a little scare early as Aaron Rodgers went down and was carted off the field, Andy. This is only weeks removed from becoming the highest paid player in NFL history. Yes, he just got the biggest contract in NFL history. The Bears, speaking of huge contracts, gave the largest contract to a defensive player in Khalil Mack, who they just traded for. Smart move, Gruden. Uh, would you say he had an impact, Go? Um, from what I understand, uh, he became the first player since uh, himself two years ago to have a sack, a forced fumble, a touchdown, and a fumble recovery in the same game. Huh. 
Um, but it was not all good news for the Bears because Aaron Rodgers limped back out on one leg. I actually thought he had an ACL code. I thought he was about to be done. But he comes back on one leg, and God damn it, I hate that smug ass, but it's finally good to see him do it to someone besides us. Nah, no joke. They were down 17 points, heading or 20 points heading into the fourth quarter, and they get all of that back. Aaron Rodgers leads three touchdowns. They win 24 to 23 in exhilarating fashion. Really ridiculous. Truly, truly ridiculous. Um, the, uh, one of the other ones that I was watching, Ben was, uh, wanted to watch a little Kansas city to okay. see a certain Texas tech alum, Patrick Mahomes play. Um, yes. you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion around Mahomes gunslinger. All right. People were worried. The kid didn't have great footwork. He was a cliff Kingsbury quarterback. So he clearly learned nothing. Um, he's pretty much just going out there on pure natural talent playing against Phillip rivers, uh, and the chargers. Mahomes, uh, he showed up, uh, went 15 to 27 for 256 and four touchdowns with no picks. Uh, I think we've found the match made in heaven of Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes, uh, yeah. a guy with pretty much unlimited arm strength and a guy who in a long enough foot race will beat anyone. Uh, that's a pretty good match. Tyreek Hill is the most exhilarating player in the NFL to me, Andy. Probably the fastest guy in pads in really probably any setting, actually. He's probably the fastest human being. Uh, that guy is incredible. He not only had two touchdowns from Mahomes, also added a 91-yard punt return. Um, he's awesome, and they upset the Chargers on the road division game 38-28. to Crazy, crazy game. Um I'm trying to oh, and then I guess one of the other big marquee oh, and then uh, going off your theme of uh, AFC teams beating NFC teams, um, well, not even that, just a NFC team that I want to lose losing, I guess. Um, Tampa Bay, a team that many people thought was pretty trash coming into this year, uh, went into New Orleans and hung forty eight on the Saints. Yeah, they they are NFC, but I did like this outcome because the Saints are a pretty good contender um they did start 0 two last year before they rattled off 10 straight but they give up 40 to ryan or 48 total but 40 points to ryan fitzpatrick uh who is still playing for the Jameis winston suspension and that was probably one of the biggest shockers around the league he went he threw for 400 yards four touchdowns rushed for another and had a 97 qbr he just straight up outdueled Drew Brees. I started him in two fantasy leagues. Uh, not him, sorry. <laughs> the defense that played against him and lost a total of 16 points. So that was very fun. I mean, Drew Drew definitely tried to hang in there with him. Uh, Brees threw for 439, three touchdowns, no picks. Kamara had two rushing touchdowns, added another one through the air. Uh, Michael Thomas had a huge game, putting up 180 on 16 catches and a touchdown. Uh, Teddy Ginn Jr. got into the act, caught a TD. It just truly wasn't enough. Um, New Orleans lost two fumbles. Uh, it, it just all ended up being too much offense. Um, on you know, Fitzpatrick was spreading the ball around. He managed to get two long touchdowns to Deshaun Jackson, another long one to Mike Evans. Uh, pretty insanely impressive day from Fitzmagic, that's for sure. 
that story will end poorly for the Bucks, but they do win that one. Um, an interesting one, the Hard Knocks. If you are a fan of that show, the Hard Knocks Browns, big new team, baby. Go, they do not lose week one and have their best week one outcome since 2004, baby. And it's a tie. And they tie Pittsburgh. At- oh, it's the most brown things ever to <laughs> to miss a. Oh, I guess it got blocked, but to mess up the game-winning field goal. Um, I did hear some fun trivia about this game. They, I believe, caused five turnovers and were plus five or plus four in the turnover margin and became just the uh, – when teams have done that, I think it's like a crazy record of 140-something and four and one all and time. They're, and they're like, what, two of the losses and the tie? Yeah, two of the losses and one of the ties. Um, that is amazing. Another one of those losses was your Dallas Cowboys uh, losing to the Lions. And we're also one of those wins when the Romo team beat the Buffalo Bills the day Romo threw five picks and Nick Fulton. I do remember that. 106-yard field goal, as Terrell Owens called it. That's amazing. Um, the last game that I want to highlight, Ben, is the San Francisco-Minnesota matchup. Um, this was a pretty big game. You got two brand new quarterbacks. Uh, you got uh, Kirk Cousins uh, and, of course, his loving wife, Julie, for the Minnesota Vikings, and then the beloved Jimmy G out the bay. Um, no one really knew who was going to show up more in this one. The Vikings are, are probably, I would say it's pretty objective, that they are the more loaded team. They have a tremendous defense. They have uh, starters at wide receiver and running back that are a little more uh, highly thought of than the Niners. But Jimmy G had yet to lose a game going into this one. Um, Vikings end up taking it 24 to 16. Cousins throws two TDs, no picks. Uh, Definitely a good game for him. Uh, Great debut. He gets 102 yards to Thielen. He throws a touchdown to Diggs. Uh, Jimmy G had a pretty – he struggled. Um, Now I don't know how much of that's due to – you know, Jimmy and how much of it's due to the fact that he's playing one of the best defenses in the league. Um, but he ends up with uh, a touchdown and three interceptions, takes three pretty costly sacks, and has a QBR of 10. Yeah, not much to say about this one for me other than the fact that the Vikings are really, really good, and you're going to see them in the playoffs this year in the NFC. That you will. That you will. Um, just to round it out, Goat, uh, the Ravens curb stomped the Bills 47-3. to um, Nathan Peterman probably played his last ever NFL ball. The Josh Allen era has officially begun. Wait, um, wait, two of 14 with two <laughs> picks is bad? It's not good, Goat. It's not good. Um, I don't know Peterman what the Ravens are. Straight up, who you want? Uh, who? Peterman or Dak? Uh, I guess I'll take Dak. You know, Peterman's thrown like seven of picks in his last 25 passes so for all of you who said that Dak's the worst starter in the league you heard it here he's not well sorry dude josh allen's in their starter now and you know he's fucking elite this is true especially when it comes to hand size yep shout out garrick elite joe flaccid with a dominant victory the Bengals beat the colts 34 23 um andrew luck's return goat was not a victory they had him throw the ball 52 times for some reason. That is um, insane. I They're don't see begging that, that guy's shoulder to explode. 
yeah, I don't think either of those teams are for real. The Patriots uh, win a close one against the Texans, 27-20. Deshaun Watson back from ACL looked very, very, very human. Um, and the Patriots are still the Patriots. Indeed. So that is, uh, that's around the league this week. Um, we do have some cool games coming up, specifically Cowboys-Giants on Sunday nights. So we'll make sure to go back and uh, give you guys a lowdown on that one. Ben, before we get out of here, you got a prediction for Cowboys-Giants? Oh, yes, Goat. I, uh, I will go ahead and predict a win because we really need it, and I also just don't think much of this Giants team. We're coming back home. Um, we do have a losing record at home, so I don't know why that should matter. But I really don't think the Giants are that good. This is a really big one for us, not only in terms of the division. It's just going to be hard to dig yourselves out of 0-2. Um, I think Zeke gets going on track. I think he gets force-fed. Um, and I think the defense holds the Giants in check, except for maybe a 60-yard TD from Odell or Saquon or something random. So I'm going to predict a 21-14 to 14 victory. Very nice. Well, I'll tell you what, Ben. I got the same logic as you do, but I think this team gets on track in a big way. I'm going 27 to 10, boys. Okay. Wow. I would love to see us put up 27. Um, how oh, hell yeah. Um, I think that's about it for us, Goat. You got anything we got to add for this week? I think that about covers it. Uh, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening to Boys Will Be Boys. We super appreciate it. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review it in iTunes. We love you guys. We love all the ratings and reviews you've gotten so far. They mean the world to us, so please continue that. Yes, uh, please. I have one last note. Uh, over this weekend, some musician that me and Goat have both listened to since we were in college uh, and both have always enjoyed his work, passed away. I'm talking about one Mac Miller. Um Died of apparent drug overdose at 26. This dude's just a few years younger than me. Um, always enjoyed his work, so that's why he got the intro today. He will get the outro, which is uh, one of my favorite songs that he ever did called Best Day Ever. So uh, go ahead, listen to that, and uh, rest in peace, Mac. Thanks for the totally, music, homie. Totally agreed. And um, and I'll add here, Ben, that – you know. This is a this is a problem that is affecting our country across every walk of life. Rich, poor, celebrity rapper, or you know, blue collar worker. Um, there's a crisis out there, and addiction is a very serious beast to have to fight on a daily basis. Um, Mac had that struggle for a couple years, and despite it seeming like he turned a corner, it it got the best of him. Um, so we would just urge anyone out there who is suffering through their own battle with substance abuse or addiction to make sure to reach out to someone and get some help. Everyone in your life would be more than willing to help you in that situation. So rest in peace, Mac. Thank you so much for all the great music. And thank you guys for listening again this week. Uh, as always, I'm Andy Catelli. Benjamin Walker. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. Take it easy. Peace. Take off, so how can I see? Adolf, now I got these rappers all breaking up a sweat. Cause
time I get up on the mic, I come correct And I learned it from the best Always dressing something fresh Looking for a little dime, big button, nice chest Yes, they heard I used to rock guests But now I'm rocking clothes that ain't in the stores yet Travel back in time, I'm in a vortex Trying to make a workout, think I need more reps Used to take a bus, now the boy board jets Cause kids got me buzzing like a fucking hornet They say I got next, tell them that I got now It's all Disney, boy, my family proud Make them say L, make them say O The hoes that tell me yes, the same ones that tell you no Whoa, I ain't just an average Joe, way above the average flow, boy, my life is most dope. No matter uh, where life takes me, find me with a smile. Be so to be happy, don't be laughing like a child. I never thought life would be this sweet. It got me cheeses and cheeky cheeky. Hey, hey. And I ain't get away for nothing, cause that just ain't my style.